This reading is from the Gospel of Luke, the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. It can be found on your, in your pew Bible on page 890, if you'd like to follow along. So listen now for the word of the Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius was ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it was written in the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Here ends the reading. As one listens to the news, whether it's not so good or whether it's good news, sometimes it can make you, or I'll speak for myself, it can make me feel very tiny. There's been a lot of news this week that's been sort of hard to bear, but one piece of what seems like good news, or at least interesting news, is that Mark Zuckerberg, the very, very rich founder of Facebook, is planning on giving away, him and his wife are planning on giving away 99% of their shares in Facebook before they die. Now, sorry? I'm not on, sorry. Great. Technical difficulties. Get you guys better hearing aids back there. They couldn't hear that either. Where was I? Ah, yes. Thank you. So, Mark Zuckerberg is going to give away 99% of his shares before he dies. Now, that's going to hopefully be a good long time, right? I mean, he's a young man, and, and it'll probably be a good while. And, and, we, and people have made a really big deal about it. I mean, it's interesting that we, we have sort of had this idea that, that when rich people give away money, and especially lots and lots of money, that we ought to make this big, big, huge deal about it. I think that's just an interesting side note. What's interesting to me, though, about it is, is I, th- I think we make a big deal about it because we believe that with larger resources, if we were larger people, if we, if we had more influence, if, if, say, we were a senator or a congressperson or, or if we were the president or we were some head of state or we were an ambassador or, or, or if we were governor or if we were the mayor, that if we had a larger influence or, or more money we could have an outsized influence, too. We could, we could really make change. And that sort of stuff gets inside the head of a congregation, I think, too. There are definitely times, I mean, as we, as we sit around and sometimes in leadership meetings, we'll just say, well, gosh, if we just had more people, or if we just had some more money to, to, be, able to, to be able to work with, we could, we could really do something great. 
And I think that gets in our heads, and I don't think that's a, a new idea. But let me walk you back a couple thousand years to the time of John the Baptizer. We know that um, there were not Baptists back in the time of Jesus, that they didn't exist yet. So he's not John the Baptist. He's John the Baptizer, because it's a descriptive thing, because he was the one who was calling for this baptism of repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. So they called him John the Baptizer. He lives in a world where there isn't any sort of democracy at all, where the people don't have any say in what's going on, really, in, in the midst of their political world. It's the time of the Roman Empire. And, and as, as wonderful as the Roman Empire may have been in many different ways, it was still the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, was enforced by force. That's why they call it enforcing they used armed force in order to keep the peace. If you were someone who spoke up against the government, as it were, they probably would just, you know, quietly take you aside and kill you. That's how they kept the peace, as they saw it. John was in the lineage, his, he was the son of Zechariah, who was a priest, who worked in the temple. So he, in a sense, John was part of, because of his family connections, he was part of some of the hierarchy that had some influence. And yet, we know from history, and we know from even in reading the Scripture and, and some of the things Jesus says, that probably the priests and the Levites, because, because they wanted to keep the temple going, they also sort of were, as we might say today, were in bed with the Roman Empire, because they needed to keep the Roman Empire happy with them and not, not rock the boat too much or else they knew they would just bring troops in and shut the temple down and forget about it. You don't get to practice your religion anymore. So John could have probably just gone along to get along and been a, been a, been a priest like his father and served in the temple and, and lived happily ever after. But no. This single man receives a word from the Lord. We, we don't know anything other than that. We don't, we don't know... You know, what kind of situation it was. We don't know if an angel messenger showed up. We don't know, you know, or if it was just, he just felt this, you know, moving in his spirit. But whatever it was, he decided that it was time for people to get right. If, you know, you've heard the term fire and brimstone. I mean, th that was what he was. He was the original turn or burn sort of preacher. He, he was more likely to call the people, a, you know, a pit of vipers than anything else. I mean, he, you know... He wasn't someone that made you feel all warm and fuzzy when you went to hear him call. He was basically saying, you're messed up and you need to get right. So, get right. Come for this baptism of repentance. Come, come and have your heart changed. And the word that's used there, this repentance, is metanoia, which means to turn around. He's basically saying, quit putting your backs toward God and turn your face toward God. Clean up your act, clean up your hearts, clean up your hearts to then live a life that is worthy of God. That's what he was, he was calling them to. And, and people were saying about him that, that he must have been Elijah come again, that he, he is the one, he must be the one who is preparing the way of the Lord. Some of them thought that he was the Messiah, but he made it very clear very quickly that he wasn't, that he was the one preparing the way for the Messiah. And the people might have understood that, too, especially as they, as they read their scriptures from Isaiah about, about making the way smooth, about filling in every hill and knocking down every mountain. 
to make the way smooth for the coming of the king, for the coming of the Messiah. Because in that time, you know, I mean, there, there was no Eisenhower interstate system. There was no local county government that was fixing up the roads every so often with your tax money. When the emperor or when some major leader or king wanted to go somewhere, months in advance they sent out you know, the army and they sent out the, what we might call the Corps of Engineers to go out and to lay the road out. And literally, if you've ever watched even today, a new road being built, they pretty much take out the hills, they fill the valleys, they make it all smooth. It's an amazing, amazing process. When you see these, usually men that are, that are using these, these dirt-moving machines, the ones who know what they're doing, it's like an art form. What they can do with this huge machine and, and, and dirt is amazing. So just imagine that. They're using shovels and mules and horses and, and oxen to, to level the road because the way has to be smooth if you're going to welcome royalty. If you're going to welcome the emperor, you want it to be right. And so this would be an image that the people could get their heads around, that, that, that some major stuff was going to happen here. And John was saying, the major stuff that is going to happen here needs to happen in your hearts. It's going to have to happen in your hearts. And so there is this transformation that needs to happen. There's this inner transformation, this inner turnaround that has to happen. He says, I want you to repent and have a baptism of forgiveness. And the word forgiveness there is, I believe, in the Greek, aphesis, which, which really means to be unbound from. To be unbound from your sin. In a sense, to be set free as if you were a slave, as if you'd been held in slavery to sin, and now you're set free from it to do the things of God. And so the people, just like we do today, the people said, the people said, but what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do, John? What, 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 is, it that, um, what is it that we are supposed to do in, well, after, we've had this, after we've had this change? And he says this. He answered them. This is starting in verse 11 of Luke chapter 3. He who has two coats, let him share with the one who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. I think it's really interesting that they note this, because in another version of this it says, even tax collectors came. I mean, as if, I mean, Luke must have thought that tax collectors were just beyond being redeemed at all. But tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Just collect no more than is appointed you. Don't extort people. Don't, don't take more. Don't rob people. Just do your job, basically, is what he's saying. And soldiers came to him and said, And what should we do? And he said to them, Rob no one by violence or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. Don't extort people. Be content with what you are being paid and given as a soldier. I mean, in some sense, it is, this isn't rocket science, people. Do what's right. Do what's right. But he's calling the people to a new way, really, of living again. To repent. To repent and to be baptized for forgiveness that they might have a new life. That they then, in a sense, might become the way makers for the Messiah who is to come. 
that they might be the ones who then would make the way smooth. They might be the ones who would clear out every obstacle so that people might be able to hear for themselves this message that says, come as you are and let me set you free from your sin so that you then might be a way maker. You might be someone who can speak forth of the love and the hope and the grace of God. That you might be someone who would share what you have with those who don't. You might be one who does what is right in the name of God. That gets right with God, if we want to say it that way. And, but, then, but then lives out that faith. That this inner transformation then bears fruit out into the world. So that all the obstacles which have been removed from us because we have been captured by, by the word of Jesus, we've been captured by his life and his death and his resurrection, that we are free then to help make the way clear that others might know of this opportunity, of this invitation to share and to grow, to have salvation, to be set free from whatever it is that holds us back from living into the kingdom that God has for us. And so that's my hope for us today, is that as we consider what is it that keeps us, what is it that keeps us from, from doing the right thing, or what is it that keeps us from, from sharing with those who have none, what is it that keeps us not believing that God has already set us free from our sin, has already healed us and made us whole, so that we can walk in newness of life, so that we can have this new life that Jesus promised for all who believe. And then we become the waymakers. That we become the waymakers in Jesus' name. That we become those who are a light to the world because we reflect the one who is the true light of the world. So today, may you know that you have been set free. In the name of Jesus, you are free to live and to love in the way of God. That you have been set free to have a clean heart and to live with righteousness before God, to turn toward God and to not be afraid. That today, may you know that we are then called to be a light to the world, to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring love to those who feel unlovable, to invite people into a new relationship with God where they can be healed and set free. May you, may we, be waymakers. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.